Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, the show that teaches you and other busy pros how to grow your wealth so you can live life on your own terms. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Our guest today is Ty Crandall, the CEO of Credit Suite. With Credit Suite, Ty consults and advises companies on business credit building and scoring. He's overseen business credit building for thousands of clients and has helped create and grow the most credible business coaching operation in the United States. Ty has also created and coaches the largest business credit provider network in the world. Ty is the author of two of the best-selling books on consumer and business credit, Perfect Credit and Business Credit Decoded, and has written hundreds of published articles relating to business credit. Ty is also often heard interviewed on countless radio and TV programs and podcasts like this one and news shows around the country, and he's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc., Ty, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about getting started with business credit, especially for those of us that are, you know, solopreneurs or we might have one initial employee and we just need a little bit of money coming in on the credit side? Absolutely. You know, one of the nice thing about business credit is that it can be obtained by any business, you know, even as a startup. And like you said, regardless of entity, whether you're a sole prop, whether you're a partnership, whether you're a well-established corporation or an LLC. But, you know, the benefit of business credit is that it's really designed for a business to be able to fund itself. So, you know, we find that about 75% of entrepreneurs are using family members' money, money from friends, uh, an even greater percentage are using money from their own credit cards and from their own bank account, et cetera. And business credit is really designed since inception of the business for your business to be able to start obtaining high limit accounts that the business can then use to fund itself. But it's so much more important than that because it also ties into the amount of money that you're going to get in due time. So if even if you're a solopreneur now, like you said, and you always have some expenses here and there, well, that's easy with business credit. You know, you can get the Visa card with a $30,000 limit. You can get the Staples credit card with 10 or the Office Depot. Or, you know, if you're flipping properties, you could use Home Depot and Lowe's and Labor Ready and these type of services to get the things that you need to flip the property. But then as you build that business credit, it makes it more accessible to get loans as well. So down the road, when you go from solopreneur with one employee to hiring multiple employees and expansion, then it also makes it much easier to get the loans and credit lines that you're looking for as well. Interesting. So getting started initially, I mean, we're going to have to put something up, right? Maybe it's equity in a property or a house or something like that to get that credit started, right? Not at all. I mean, when we talk about business credit, it's very similar to consumer credit cards, right? So consumer credit cards, business credit cards, both of them are the same. They're both unsecured. And unsecured by definition means there are no assets. There is no collateral for the debt. The other nice thing about business credit cards, the same as consumer credit cards, is it's no-doc financing. So you're not supplying tax returns. You're not supplying pay stubs. You're not supplying bank statements. You're not supplying any of those type of things. You know, With business credit, just the same as consumer credit, right? When you start a consumer credit profile, you start with the very small credit cards in a lot of cases, and then you prove yourself and then you get higher limit credit cards. Then you start qualifying for home loans. You start qualifying for auto loans. Business credit's exactly the same way. You don't need to front anything to get started. You get started with smaller limit accounts, $500 to $2,500, uh, what are called vendor accounts. And then once you establish yourself by getting those accounts, paying those bills on time, then the limits get higher. The type of credit becomes more accessible. Within four to six months, you're getting Visa card, MasterCard, auto vehicle financing without the guarantee and credit check. 
and that's about the end process. So that type of unsecured money doesn't need collateral, but a lot of the loans that you'll get down the road may require some. Hmm. So what do interest rates look like these days on this kind of debt? Well, they flip a little back and forth. You know, I used to say uh, a year ago that the interest rates was a little higher on business accounts than you're finding on revolving. But the latest data on this is showing that the interest rates on business accounts this year is a little bit lower than consumer credit cards. But, you know, the year to year, you're hovering their credit cards, right? You're getting a Chase business credit card for your business. You're getting a Chase personal credit card for you to use on the personal side as an individual. The interest rates are about the same sometimes a little higher, sometimes a little lower, but they fluctuate very similar to consumer credit card rates. Hmm. And what are the most typical uses that folks typically have, especially as they're pursuing maybe more passive businesses, if they're perhaps getting into, say, drop shipping, for example, we've got some folks coming up soon who are professionals at drop shipping and or what about folks that are starting real estate businesses? Well, I think that one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is that they say, okay, I need $20,000 loan to go and run this business, to start this business. And that's really not the way you want to go about it. The first thing you want to do is you want to figure out exactly what you're going to use the money for. Break down. What do you need the money for? What are you going to use it for? And then that gives you an overall idea of how much you need. But the reason you want to do that is because – what you need, the kind of credit you need, radically varies based on industry, right? So my flipper clients are getting credit cards to get the Home Depot, the Lowe's, the labor ready, the supply companies. They're using credit cards to both rehab the property and may handle maintenance on the property. And then they're also using the Visa card, the MasterCard, the cash credit to even liquidate those credit cards to get the money to buy the property, right? But a large part of our clientele is also truckers, right? Transportation industry. And the the transportation industry, they're obsessed with gas cards. They're obsessed with fuel cards because that's where they're spending $600 to $1,000 is to fill that gas tank and with their maintenance and with repairs. People that are working in an office environment are getting the staples in the office depot because they need desks. They need computers. They need uh, chairs. So it really depends on the industry and the person in the industry, how big of a business they're building, how many employees do they have, what do they need. So start by figuring out whatever you're doing, you're going to need money to do it. So first figure out what it is you need the money for. And then that better gives you an idea of what type of money may work for you. Maybe you need a loan. Maybe you need a credit line. Maybe you need equipment. It's equipment financing you need. Or maybe you could just use a Home Depot, a Walmart, an Amazon, a Lowe's, a Sam's Club, Costco credit card to buy what you need or a Visa card to buy what you need. When you break down what you need, it's going to give you a better idea of the type of financing you need to get those things. So I want to ask you, Ty, you know, folks can go out and get all this information about business credit and opening these credit lines and everything. But there are folks like you out there providing coaching and providing that information. And something that I think is very important is learning how to work directly with coaches in any area of business and how to get the most out of your time with them. So can you tell us more about how to work with a business coach most constructively and expectations that we should have as far as uh, business credit goes. You know, I got into this space a long time ago. 
in part because, well, in large part, because I had a mortgage business when the whole mortgage industry collapsed and I lost everything. I mean, it pushed me almost to the verge of personal bankruptcy because I personally guaranteed everything. And when I would discover years later what business credit was, and I would go out and look in the space for people that helped do it, there was really nobody out there. And it really was astonishing to me that nobody was talking about this and nobody was helping people, which is why we actually went into business. So now the way the landscape is, is this. We have tons of free information that are out there. Hundreds and hundreds of videos. We go live every week. We map out the steps. I'll even give your your listeners access to a guide to download to be able to go through the process. Look, that's a way to start. You know, understand the concept of business credit, how it works. Go about, go do some of the initial things to set up your business credibly. Get vendor accounts. This isn't something you have to pay somebody to do. If you are paying somebody, obviously, like anything else, right? You're just you're paying an expert. Like we've helped over fifteen thousand people build business credit, right? So we obviously understand the process more than somebody else. The difference is time. So if you're trying to do this on your own, we find that it takes about 24 months, about two years to get to the same point you could get to in four months if you know what you're doing. And that's the benefit of working with a coach. If you're working with somebody like Credit Suite, for example, or there's other companies out there that can help you, then that just radically expedites the time it takes to build business credit. But you have to be careful of the companies you're working with. Check the Better Business Bureau. Check the, the ripoff report. I know this stuff seems like common sense, but there are some companies out there that honestly, you're better to use free information and do this on your own than to pay them uh, to do it for you because it takes so long to get so minimal results. The key to success here is speed. How fast do you want it? If you're in no rush, you could do this on your own and take all the time in the world. If you're trying to get money faster, then that's the benefit of working with a coach because you just take a two-year process and really condense it down to about four to six months. Hmm, Great. So, We all know and everyone, I think, knows that people like to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And I'd like to, while we have you, learn a little bit more about you and your experience. You mentioned almost losing everything in the financial crisis with your mortgage business. And I wonder if we could just learn a little bit more about what that experience looked like and starting this new I'm not new anymore, but the entrepreneurial venture of Credit Suite and what that whole thing was like and deciding you wanted to move in this direction. Look, as an entrepreneur, I I have a hard time ever answering questions like mistakes made or things I regret because everything that was bad led me to here. And I think that I've learned more. No, I know I've learned probably 10 to 100 times more from failures than I have from successes. The mortgage industry collapse and the collapse of my business was an absolute shocker to me because I had done the right things. I had plenty of credit available. I had built the business responsibly. We didn't overspend. We did all the things that on paper you would think successful businesses do. But then something came out of left field that we had absolutely no control over. And all of a sudden, our ability to generate revenue decreased by 90%. And so it taught me a lot of lessons that as much as you think you're in control of your business, you're not really in control of your business. There's a million variables, more than a million, that can affect your ability to operate at any given time. And when you look historically, the businesses that succeed versus 
fail, they had the financial preparation. They had a lot of assets set aside. They had access to a lot of revolving credit that was available to do so. We did not do as much at the time. So unfortunately, what happened in my world was that the business, we lost all our ability to do revenue. So we started to default on some credit. Some of the credit was revolving. It was in the business name. The problem is we made the same mistakes. I made the same mistake a lot of business owners make, which is the fact that I personally guaranteed everything in my personal name for the business. And I also got credit cards that I thought were for the business, but really also reported on my consumer credit reports. These are very common things that, that I see every day with clients. And so what happened with me is that when we started to default on the credit cards, they reported on my consumer credit reports. The minute derogatory revolving credit appeared on my consumer credit reports, trigger alerts went to all of my consumer credit card companies. All of my consumer credit card companies then immediately lowered the limits to what we owed. They removed all of our available credit, even though the problems were with the business, all of our personal available credit went away. So this was shocking to me. This wasn't something we'd anticipated. We'd anticipated that if things ever got bad, we had six figures in revolving credit we could rely on to get us through, to get us back on track. That's not what happened. Then to make it worse, since I personally guaranteed it, as those credit cards in the business started to default, they literally came in and took the money we had from our personal bank account. Boom, gone, removed it. So then we were in a situation where we had no more available credit, but anybody that knows anything about consumer credit scoring knows that 30% of the consumer credit score is available credit. So the minute our available credit went away, our credit scores went to the toilet because we were maxed out then on every credit card because our limits were now what we owed. And then all the cash we had on hand was gone. And so our ability to even recover from this, it was destroyed. We had none. And so that was, those were very hard things, but I always thought as a business owner, this is just the way that it was. So I would move on and start a consumer credit company to help people recover from the crisis and myself included in this. And along the way, a lot of customers started to ask us about business credit. And I, I didn't really know what it was. And I Googled it and there was no information about it at the time. There was no companies offering it. I mean, I was into, you know, the bowels of Google, like page three. Nobody goes to page three. I was like, page <laughs> I was like at page five and 10. I couldn't find anything. And so eventually enough people asked me that I started to look into this. And I'll never forget that night because I just, it, it was like, if you've ever played video games, it's like that you sit down and then like you look up and like five hours have passed. And that's exactly what had happened to me. Like, I just remember really digging in as deep as I could, figuring out what business credit was and just being shocked that like this wasn't being told to people like this was never taught to me in college or into school and people weren't talking about this and there weren't even forums there weren't it just this was not something that people were were talking about letting alone mapping out the steps and i realized in that moment that if i would have known this like the hardest parts of the experience we went through would we wouldn't have went through i wouldn't have had to push the family to the financial brink i wouldn't have had to see my wife break down in tears and ask me why it was happening and me not know the answer and the feeling that comes with not being able to financially support your family when that's your primary responsibility it was the way I feel, it still makes me literally break into tears when I really think about the emotion of how that made my wife feel going through all this. So when I realized there was a way out that I was never taught, I became angry, mad, frustrated, all of these emotions. 
But, you know, I was just raised that like you don't complain about problems unless you're willing to propose a solution. So that was it for me. I said, look, I got to figure this out and I got to start teaching other people. And that's exactly what happened in real time. I would figure things out and I would do a webinar to teach everybody what I learned. And that process has continued for many, many years. Now I'm into the process of unveiling the small business financial exchange, where all this data comes from that these lenders get in LexisNexis credit reports, which have insane information that nobody knows about. And now I still am just obsessed with this process of unveiling all the stuff that getting capital, getting business credit has been kept from us as business owners that I feel like if we empower business owners with the information that they can then make better decisions and hopefully you know not go through the the, the experiences that I went through. So maybe even longer than you anticipated but it's the best way I can kind of describe where I've been and what led me to this point in time. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, I'm a increasingly becoming a fan of Tony Robbins over the years as I implement some of his ideas and find that they positively impact my life. And I wonder, and, and one thing he says is that success is 80% psychology and 20% mechanics or something along those lines. And, you know, I wonder how did you manage your psychology during that time? Because, I mean, that sounds very hard. I mean, that would be a hard thing to go through for anybody. There's a lot involved. And it's funny that you, you mentioned Tony Robbins because I remember going into business and being a Tony Robbins fan and a guru, right, of all these stuff, of, of all these people that teach you all this, that kind of stuff. And I learned it. And then I got into business and I was in a mortgage industry at the right time. And so I quickly grew the business to seven figures. And I'm like, dude, I am awesome. Hello. I don't even need this stuff. And so I really stopped engaging with any of it. And when the whole thing went down, I was in one of the worst places mentally and emotionally that I've ever been in my life. And I remember one of my closest friends, Shannon, the best man at my wedding. I love Shannon. He is the most negative person you'll ever meet in your entire life, which is like why I love him because I'm the opposite. And like, I think that positive thinking leads to good results. And he thinks that he's negative because bad stuff always happens. So it's awesome talking to him in the contrast of how we completely think differently. It's I've been this obsessed with him my whole life in this different thinking. And he actually goes, listen, I've got this set of Tony Robbins CDs that like I'm going to give you, which is completely ironic that he would even have anything motivational to begin with. But I'm like, all right, I'll take them. And that actually was kind of the beginning of my mental turnaround. I still now today, six, seven years later, I still go out and I go through a walk every single morning, no matter where I am. And I go through a process of thinking and appreciating what I have of kind of saying, Hey, you know, the same thing over and over and visualizing where I'm going to be. I still today do that every single day that I got from that training. So I think that kind of helped put me on the right course and it started to get my head right and it started to get me into books and to get me into all these things and start, you know, thinking about what I was going to have. And I remember taking walks back then and thinking about the money I was going to make, which was, you know, double what I was making at the time, which seemed absurd. But then like a year and a half later, I was making that money again and it really got me in the right course. So Tony Robbins and many others that I was able to consume their content helped me get my head straight and realize that I got to keep my focus on where I'm going. And once I was able to finally get that, I wish I could say it was all okay, but 
It really wasn't. It continued to suck because what happened was I went from a mortgage industry where like everybody wanted what I had. And then I went into credit repair, which I thought was a really smart idea. I thought, man, everybody's credit's going to suck. And then like all these account executives that are laid off banks, like could be work for me and go to the same mortgage brokers and we do credit repair for them. I mean, this is all perfect. But what I didn't account for was that nobody wants credit repair. They want a mortgage. They want a car loan, but they don't want credit repair. They have to get it to get to the things they want. So it was ridiculously difficult to market. Nobody wanted it. The idea that I even told people I was in it, I went from kind of to being shunned versus like being a hero when I was in the mortgage industry. It was a really crazy experience, but it taught me funnels. It taught me educating people before you buy. It taught me to stop selling and start helping people understand how things work and that they would come to me to buy. Like the best things I've learned in growing and marketing all came from having a product that was ridiculously difficult to sell. So it was a very stressful time, but you know, eventually was able to come out of it. Awesome. Pressure makes diamonds. I really like that. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Want daily interviews with real estate investors and none of the fluff? Go to bestevershow.com where Joe Fairless interviews daily real estate investors and entrepreneurs about their best advice ever. Go to bestevershow.com. Ty, what is the best investment you ever made? That's a really hard question and is crazy. I bet you I have a unique answer that maybe nobody on your show has ever said. I hope so. And it is audible. See? That's good. I mean, look, I am obsessed with self-improvement and I've gotten at least 85 to 90% of where I am based on what I had to learn along the way to be able to get here. And I, I mean, Audible really to me is the best investment because when I look at knowledge, I think knowledge is the most valuable thing. Well, being willing to act on the knowledge you have probably is more valuable, but I think having the knowledge is, is an extremely valuable thing. And Audible to me, like, helps me do everything I do, right? Because all the Audible books or all the audio books I'm able to access have given me the information I have. I know it's kind of an off the wall answer, but it's really tough to think of anything other than that because that is where all my knowledge comes from is these audio books that I'm able to jump into to learn the stuff I need to learn to do to grow the business and do my day to day. Awesome. I love that. On the other side of that coin, what is the worst investment you ever made? I've been thinking about this and I can't give you an answer. I don't really have one. I think it's because the term investment <laughs> throws me off because like if I'm investing into something, then to me, I'm typically going to get my value out of it. And there's rarely something I'm not investing into that I pull some value out of, right? Like if I read a book, it's a horrible book. Like Annie Duke's book, Thinking in Bets, it's horrible. But I talk about it all the time because some of the core principles are core principles I like use and talk about every single day that I learned from that. So I'm kind of like that. Even the stuff that I've invested into that have failed me, and I've had plenty of failures in investment, those are the things that taught me the biggest lessons to then move on and have the most success. So I really cannot think of something that I've just completely lost on that I wasn't able to walk away with a real life experience or knowledge that was able to help me better in future situations. So I think you stumped me on that. I like that. I saw a very successful investor owned about 6,000 apartment units at the peak and he's selling them off now. I saw him speak a, a couple months back by the time this airs. And one of the things that he really hit on a lot was that he thinks a lot of his success is from the fact that he, in his mind, he defaults to the positive. He always sees the positive in things or sees 
positivity and the opportunity, even when crashes are happening all around him, he's looking for the positive. And I think that works retrospectively, too, in that, you know, I'm sure he's lost money on investments, as we all have. That's how investing works. But much like you, I would I would assume is he w- he's seeing the positive in that investment. OK, maybe I didn't make money, but I learned maybe I need to manage my contractors better or something along those lines. There's, there's always an upside or he's always looking for the upside. So I think that's actually a very important mental skill that helps keep the fire going and helps keep you moving forward and helps you be willing to dive in with you know both feet into the next venture that can dig you out of the hole of the Great Recession, for example. So I, I think that's a really good answer. I appreciate that. And I, I completely agree. I think that in every situation, if you're going to run a business, you have to adopt, if you don't have it, the skill to look at everything that bad that happens and say, first of all, what did I learn? Because there's a million things you could learn that make you better. Look, I am so much more prepared to go through a radical shift in the economy and the business than almost anybody I know. Well, anybody I know, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are better. I start focusing on the protection of the business versus just the growth of the business. So I'm competing against people that are obsessed with growth and I'm obsessed with protection. So I've got a much better chance of long-term success. I never even would have thought about the protection aspect of the business without it. So I think you just have to be humble. You have to be wise enough to be able to recognize that you have to learn. What can you learn from that? And the second question on entrepreneurs really need to get good at answering is what signs did I miss? Usually when stuff blows up, there were clear indicators that you missed along the way. And if you really obsess on trying to go backwards and find all the signs that you missed, it makes it easier for you to recognize those signs and take action preemptively. And then you start to notice these serious problems that you usually deal with become less and less and less and less. I love it. What is the most important lesson you've learned in investing or entrepreneurship? It's really hard to choose a most important lesson. But I think that when it comes to marketing and sales, well, I think it could all boil down to this and it might seem a little cliche, but you know, it's that mantra that you can get everything you want if you help enough people get what they want. And that really, to me, has become my life mission. I really am just here to help educate as many people as I can to this. And it's interesting because when I am in meetings, like I was just in a company meeting in our office in Washington, and this is – we were making decisions, and it was always – I noticed that our whole culture as a company is always to this. Look. You know, we talked about affiliate relationships and we said, well, look, that's a great way for us to make additional money. And then we talked about these cases where the affiliate would pay us the money, but they would charge the customer more. And we're like, no, that won't work. The customer can't pay more for us to get paid. That's just kind of, it's the philosophy you adopt when you really become obsessed on helping other people. And when that's recognized, it wasn't intentional, but when that becomes recognized, apparently that's such a rare thing that people really, really, really flock to you and want to do business with you. And you really stop having competitors. You stop asking people to buy and they're really coming to you and want to do business with you just because, like you said, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And that's really the core of no liking and trusting in business is to give without the expectation of getting something in return. Wow. 
That was awesome. I've loved this whole interview. I feel like we took a turn pretty far away from business credit into much deeper philosophies around business and sales and entrepreneurship, obviously, and, and investing. So that's awesome. And I hope everyone took something away and hopefully gets an Audible subscription. Maybe by the time this is released, uh, <laughs> I'll have Audible as a sponsor. So Ty, where can our listeners get in touch with you? We have a, a great free guide that maps out the steps in business credit more in depth than we've had time to dive into now. And it's at creditsuite.com forward slash EIN. So that's Credit Suite, which is S-U-I-T-E, creditsuite.com forward slash EIN. And like I said, Taylor, that's a great free guide that maps out the exact steps in depth for your listeners to be able to succeed building business credit. I love it. So thank you for joining us today and for all of the awesome lessons. I'm sure the listeners got something out of it. To everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're getting your podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please share with a friend, bring someone in who needs to increase their wealth or might be interested in growing their wealth without giving themselves another job. For now, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week.